I've been preaching and teaching through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. It's been a month since we've been on that subject because for three Sundays in a row, we've had some amazing guest speakers, missionaries, most of them come in and, and thank the Lord for that. And uh, I will get back. We need to finish that study, uh, but we're, we're going to go elsewhere just a little bit today. The Savior is speaking in John chapter 14 to his disciples. It is the night before the cross. They're in the upper room, and Jesus has observed the, Lord, the, the Passover with them. He has instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. Judas has walked out on his way to betray him, and the Savior knows all of that. He has washed the disciples' feet. He has quelled their arguments about which of us get to be the greatest, and then he began to tell them once again what was about to happen. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He's talked about his death and so forth, and it would appear that a shadow of pain and worry and fear and hurt began to settle over those men. They could not understand. Uh, they believed he was the Messiah. He was the hope of Israel. They believed that he was the Savior, but they just didn't understand why he had to die, and they didn't even know the half of what it was about to happen over the next day. And the Savior, who always knows where we're at, the Savior always knows what we're going through, began John chapter 14 with these remarkable words. Let not your heart be troubled. He didn't say that when they were all in a good place. He said that when they were in a dark time. He said that as the clouds on the horizon were not about to break, they were getting darker still. And he says to them in that dark time, let not your heart be troubled. That's a, an interesting statement because you would think that troublesome times, we have a right to be troubled. But the Savior said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God Believe also in me. Trust me. Did you hear what they just sang? We just need to know who God is and what God is, what God has promised, and place our trust in that. Believe also in me. That is the way to let not your heart be troubled. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard week. A lot of pain. A lot of hospitals, a lot of doctors, a lot of disappointment. Um, as the days went on and the hospital stays were hours and hours long, I think totally this week I, I spent somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of 30 hours uh, in, an, in a hospital emergency room somewhere only to be sent home saying we know what's wrong, we just don't know what to do about it. And one doctor actually said, you'll just need to find somebody that can take care of it. And so I'm, I guess I'm supposed to open the internet and type in, can anybody take care of this? I don't know. Um, and uh, so physically and, and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it's, it's been a tough week. And I don't say that to magnify what I've been through over anything that you've been through. I know people in this church that it's not been a hard week, it's been a hard year. Uh, it's been a hard couple of years. So I understand that I'm not minimizing you uh, at, at all. If anything, I, I sometimes feel like I should minimize myself and realize what you're going through. We come to those places, but I realized on Friday morning when I woke up, 
and I'll be transparent here. Please forgive me. I woke up an angry man. I just woke up an angry man, frustrated about every little detail. The Holy Spirit very gently yet clearly pointed me to Proverbs 25, 28, where the Bible says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You're defenseless when you have no rule over your spirit, and I realized I didn't. The Holy Spirit also took me back to Thursday night as I lay in the emergency room at a hospital in the Hartford area. I opened up my Facebook for lack of anything else to do, and there is a gentleman that I follow that I became acquainted with uh, in 2007, right after I, I had my first amputation and lost my foot. Someone gave me a, uh, a DVD. How many remember those? Those round things you place in the machine? Uh, they gave me a DVD, and it was a sermon by an Australian preacher by the na name of Nick Vujovic. How many know who I'm talking about? How many have heard the name? Now, he's not an independent Baptist. He's very good on the gospel and, and so forth. Uh, but it was Nick's uh, testimony and story, and I, I listened to this sermon. I, I had to stop several times because I was crying so much and then put it back in. Nick was born with no arms and no legs. He has one tiny little foot-like appendage um, and, and uh, it's got, I think, a couple toes, and it's very small, uh, no arms and no legs. Uh, he was born in a culture that his parents were told to just uh, euthanize him at birth because he was, of, he was never going to be more than that. His parents were born-again Christians, and they don't believe that God makes mistakes. How many agree with that? They believed that God had a purpose for their little boy, and there's no way they could understand it. We are not given the ability to see the future, but God is already there. I, I can't believe you led the song, I Know Who no Holds Tomorrow. So I've been following Nick. He wrote a book, and uh, he loves the Lord. Again, he's not an independent Baptist, but there, you know, there are saved people who aren't. And uh, so I, I began following him on Facebook, and it just so happened Thursday night as discouragement was deeply setting in on me, and I realized they're not going to help me either. This video came along. He preaches standing on a table in front of a congregation. There's no pulpit, and he literally walks back and forth on an eight-foot table. Somebody has to lift him up uh, onto that. He has the most positive outlook on life of anybody that I've ever seen. And it's not about the power of positive thinking. It's about the power of Jesus Christ Amen. in his life. And he shared a segment of his life that I have never heard him share before. The age of 10, he looked out the window and he saw other boys and girls his age playing soccer, riding their bikes, running up and down the sidewalks, swinging from a tire swing on a tree. And it dawned on him, I will never do any of that. 10 years old. I will never have a girlfriend. I will never get married. I will never have a child. I will always be different. I am different in a way that I will always be alone. And as a 10-year-old child, 
he tried to take his own life. Sitting in a hospital room having a pity party that, by the way, none of you showed up to my party. And I'm listening to him share. And he said, I was discouraged. His words are important now. I was discouraged. I was disillusioned. I was disappointed. I was distracted. And he stopped there and he said, do you realize that most words that begin with D-I-S are negative words? Discouraged without any courage left. He said, and that's all I had. D-I-S. He said, I've come to understand D-I-S stands for devil inspired statements I'm listening to this because I was discouraged and disillusioned and disappointed and distracted he said as a 10 year old boy I saw no point he said I had no idea what was just around the corner for me he put off getting saved even though he was raised in a Christian home in a gospel preaching church until he was 16 years of age because there was a part of him that was angry at God. Why did you let me be born this way? But at 16, he decided he was going to trust the grace of God. He was going to trust the goodness of God and he opened up his heart and received Jesus Christ as the only payment God will accept for our sin and became a born-again Christian. And he decided at that moment, I don't understand this. Don't understand this, but I'll trust the one who does. God called that boy with no arms and no legs to preach. That boy with no arms and no legs has preached all over the, the continent of Australia, all over that part of the world. He is known worldwide. His influence has now touched, are you ready for this? Millions of people. A young man with no arms and no legs. God brought a young lady into his life that didn't care that he had no arms and no legs. And Nick found love, and they got married, and they have a child. He said, I'll never hold my child, but my child can hold me, and that's almost just as good. Devil-inspired statements. As the video concluded, he said, at 10 years old, I tried to end what God had in store. And I would have missed out on everything that was just around the corner. As you and I go through trials that trouble us, isn't it amazing how quickly that little voice starts speaking in our ears? Well, if God loved you, he wouldn't let this happen. You're praying and God's not answering your prayers, so where is God or if you were more like this person, God would hear you and answer you, but you're not good enough for God to listen to you. And on and on that list goes. And I, I, I can't speak for you. I don't know if you've heard that little brimstone-laced voice speaking in your ear, 
but I have. It's always there at my worst moment. And see, there's where we make a choice. Do I listen to them? Do I listen to those statements? Do I listen to that voice and live my life discouraged, disappointed, disillusioned, distracted? You know, God sends things in our life when we need it. And as I sat in the hospital on, on Thursday night and I still, had to, I still had to digest it, I still had to personally deal with some of the truth that, that Nick shared from the Bible as a result of that, took me a little while, but as I meditated on that Thursday night, and like I said, Friday, I found myself waking up as an angry man, and I, I, I knew God didn't want that, and I didn't want that. That's no way to live. I realized it was time for me to just take a step back and shift my focus. Shift my focus. There's some things I don't know right now, but there are some things from the Bible that I know beyond any shadow of a doubt. There are some things that God has given to me that are mine forever. I can't lose them. You can't take them away. The devil can't take them away. They are mine for eternity. They are mine by the promise of a God who cannot lie. There are some things I've got. No matter what else is going on, I've got a salvation that can never be lost. I was driving down the road on, on Friday thinking about this verse, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Uh, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is a long verse that, that just says God loved us so much. God was so good to us in spite of how bad we are that he sent his son to die on the cross and pay for every sin that we have. It's the only way sin can be paid for. And those of us who receive that message, we have a lively hope. That means a living hope that one day I'm going to step from this world onto the shores of eternity and I'm going to walk on a place where the streets are made of gold and mercy flows and I'm going to see the face of my Savior. There's no no sickness, no sorrow, there's no suffering, there's no crying, there's no doctors, there's no lawyers, there's no ambulances, there are no emergency rooms in heaven. Yes. And God gave that to me, that hope when I got saved, but he goes on to an inheritance incorruptible. Some of you have money in the stock market. Yeah, watch it carefully. Not a good time for that right now. You're, everybody's wondering about, you know, my retirement funds and all those kind of things. And sometimes that which we lay up and store here is quickly taken away, but all not so in heaven to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And here it is, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. My salvation is not kept by my, my power. Fooey on the heresy that says we only get saved by God's grace because we're not good enough to get saved, but after we're saved, we have to be good enough to keep saved. That does not even make sense. That, that, and, and not only does it not make sense, it's not Bible. 
I'm not kept by the power of Tom Bish. I'm not kept by the power of Heritage Baptist Church. I am kept by the power of God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Not temporary life. I give unto them eternal life. That means forever. It means it never ends, period. And he goes on to say, and they shall never perish. The word never comes from a Greek word that means never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. We are so safe and secure in the hand of Christ and in the hand of God the Father. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We are sealed by him until the day of redemption. Uh, uh, Dr. Curtis Hudson, a pastor who's now in heaven, I heard him preach one time. He said, I'm so saved it's pitiful. We can't lose it. We can't lose it if we tried. Once you got saved, it's a done deal. I cannot lose my salvation. On my worst day, I'm still saved. On my worst day, I'm still going to heaven. On my worst day, I can still rejoice that my sins are gone through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many can claim that? How many know for certain today, look back at the day you dealt with the gospel message and you know for sure someday you're going to go to heaven. If you put your hand down, praise God for that. If you're not sure that you need to deal with that today, for God so loved the world, that's every person in this world, including you, including me, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's promise for you to claim. Um, no matter where I'm at, my heart doesn't need to be troubled because I have a salvation that cannot be lost. I have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God inside of me that cannot be lost. Jesus said and taught in John 14, if you're there, because you look at verse 16 with me, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter, capital C, that's a title, that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, capital S, that means it's the Holy Spirit whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And if you go back up to 16, how long is he going to be in you? Forever. The presence of the Holy Spirit abides. First Corinthians says that you are what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Uh, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside. Uh, again, in Ephesians chapter one, the Bible tells us that after we believed, we were sealed that idea sealed is like somebody, a lady canning vegetables or something like that. And in the old days, maybe they still do it some. They use paraffin wax to seal it, to keep whatever was placed in that jar from spoiling and going bad. The Bible says we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So until the day of redemption, the Holy Spirit is there. I am sealed by his presence. Uh, I'm, I'm not going anywhere but heaven. And I can't lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. I like the fact that he's called the comforter. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I have a constant source of comfort if I will but draw upon it. I got some things I can't lose. I can't lose my salvation. I cannot lose the Holy Spirit. I cannot lose the truth of the scriptures. The Bible says in Psalm 119 in verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's word is is not going to change. 
God's word is not ever going to come to a place where it is no longer true. God's word is not selective in that it applies to you, but it doesn't apply to me. It applies universally to all of us, and it is settled in heaven. I can't change it. My situation can't change it. My troubles can't change it. God's word is true. How many believe that? One of the verses in God's eternal word that cannot change, that is settled in heaven, is Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. How many know it? For ye know that all things, not some things, most things, we know that all things work together for what? For good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That means whatever God allows into my life, whatever God allows into your life, God means it for good. That is in God's eternal word. And we know, we don't think, we don't even hope, we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And that doesn't change. Uh, I can choose that it's not true, but that doesn't make it untrue. I can choose to ignore it, but that doesn't change the truth of it. There are people that laugh at the gospel message, that shun the gospel message. Their, their unbelief doesn't change the truth of the gospel message. The Savior said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He followed that up. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven except you are born again. You can say, well, I just don't believe that. Doesn't change a bit of it. Someday your life on this earth will end and you will understand on that day the Bible was true whether you accepted that truth or not. I have a scripture that is never gonna change. That means on my worst day, on my worst day, that day is part of all things that God is working together for good. To them that love God, to them are the called according to his purpose. There's some things I can't lose. There are some things I can't lose. I need to stop listening to those little devil-inspired statements. And I need to look at the truth of God's word that never changes. But with that said, even though I cannot lose my salvation and I cannot lose the presence of the Spirit of God in my life and I cannot lose the truth of the Scripture, there are some things that I can lose. And they are up to me. If you will, they're not up to God. They're up to me. Can I get you in Psalm 51? Psalm 51. You're listening well. I appreciate it. I know it's a little different this morning. Psalm 51 is the prayer that David made after his sin with Bathsheba was revealed. Scholars believe that David lived for about two years after his adultery with Bathsheba, trying to cover up when she found out that she was going to have a child, murdered her husband in an effort to get him out of the picture, married her and tried to pass it off that this was a legitimate baby and all of those things. And I'm, I'm not sure who he fooled beside himself. He certainly didn't fool God. So he lived for two years. He lived a lie. And then one night, Nathan the prophet came in and confronted him and said, thou art the man. David didn't argue. 
David didn't try to defend himself. He immediately cried out, I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. That wasn't just a statement. Have you seen a child that does something wrong? Say you're sorry. Sorry. They're no more sorry. They're only sorry they got caught, and they're even more sorry they have to say sorry. There's a difference between that and godly sorrow. Psalm 51 lets us know when David said, I have sinned, that it was godly sorrow. It was a deep sorrow. It was a brokenhearted sorrow. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And the prayer is over and over again, David asking in different ways, different forms, God, I just want to be clean. I just want, I just want this forgiven. I just want to be whole. And, and he just pours out his heart to God. Please look what he says in verse number 12. Restore unto me the what? The joy of thy salvation and, with, and, and uphold me with thy free spirit. One of the things that I can lose is my joy. We know the joy of the Lord is our strength. But you know, when you walk out of the will of God, you walk away from the joy of the Lord. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, He's in control of me. That joy will be a present aspect of my life. But when I ignore the Holy Spirit and do my own thing, as David did, the joy that God would have me to live in, even in my darkest moments, is gone from me. Paul had the, the, the worst circumstances of just about anybody in your Bible. In Philippians chapter 1, he is in prison. He is suffering. He is condemned to death simply for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he seems uh, at, at one point he'll be abandoned by most everybody that he's loved and helped over the years. He's going to be ignored by most of the people uh, that, that, that have been a part of his ministry. And yet Paul writes to the Philippian people. He says, I know you're upset. Said, but he said, I would have you to understand that the things which have happened unto me, and he's talking about the bad things, every negative thing you can imagine. He said, I want you to know the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. He went on to talk about, I got to preach the gospel to Nero. I got to preach the gospel to everybody in his entourage. I got to preach the gospel in such a way that everybody in Nero's palace in Rome, they're all talking about Jesus and people are getting saved and saved people are getting bold and telling more people how to get saved. In his trial, the joy of the Lord was still there because Paul didn't walk away from it. David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You see, sin in any form will rob you of that joy. It'll steal it from you. Um, we need to understand the, the worst of situations. They don't necessarily have to destroy our joy. I talked about Paul. I'm reminded in Luke chapter 10, and time is, is just rapidly running away. Jesus was in the house of Lazarus in Bethany for dinner. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary was in the living room, if you will, with Jesus and Lazarus and the, the disciples that were there. 
She was sitting at the feet of Christ just marveling at everything he had to say, just so thrilled that Jesus was in her house and, and she got to be that close to him. And can you even imagine what that must have been like? Someday we will, but, but Mary is experiencing that. But her sister Martha had the same Jesus sitting in her house in the same living room, but Martha was a mess. She was trying to get dinner ready and everything needed to be right. And you know, you ladies know how it is. You know, the napkins have to be folded right. All the place settings have to be right. And you're watching over uh, all the food on the stove and all that kind of stuff. And finally, Martha stormed into where Jesus was. And, and she's mad at the Lord and said, Lord, carest thou not that I'm serving all by myself? Don't you care about me? Look at my lazy sister sitting down there. Force her to come in and help me. This just isn't fair. And she is a mess. Moment of honesty. Anybody here ever been a mess about life? The Savior very lovingly but clearly said, Martha, Martha. He said her name twice just to get her attention because generally when I'm in a tizzy, I'm not listening terribly well. Martha, Martha, thou art careful. That means full of care. You're stressed and troubled about many things. Martha had no joy at all and the Savior was sitting in her living room. I'm saved for eternity. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I got a Bible filled with promises that are never, ever going to change. And then I let my situations change my joy. By the way, they don't steal my joy. I forfeit my joy because I'm more focused on that than on the things of God. Storms can steal our joy, can't they? You read how many times the Savior took his disciples on a boat or placed them on a boat knowing that a storm was coming. And every time during the storm, their response was a lack of faith. Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? Lord, where are you? Why aren't you doing something about it? The closest time that didn't happen is when Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. And Peter started walking on the water, but that didn't last for long because when he saw the winds in the, uh, in the sea, the Bible says he began to doubt and he started to sink. Storms can mess us up. And the storms of life do that. And that's when we have to make a choice. Do we believe God or not? And Paul was in the middle of a storm in Acts 27 that had lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks. There was a place where it said all hope that we should be saved was gone. They just assumed they were going to die as a result of this storm at sea. God came to Paul and told him that everything was going to be fine. And Paul walked out and said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Get your joy back. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. If you and I are without our joy, it is not God's fault. He has promised us a joy unspeakable and full of glory. But see, we've got to stop listening to the devil-inspired statements and focus on the word of God. I can lose my joy. I can lose my peace. Jesus promised a peace that passeth understanding. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto the you. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Peace is that awareness of the presence and the purpose and the power of God. It's that which calms us to just trust and say, I don't understand, but I know God does. And we're no longer stressed and torn. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If I don't have the peace of God, it's because I'm not obeying the scripture. 
I'm just looking at my storm. I'm looking at my situation. I'm looking at all the troubles in my life instead of looking at the one who's, co who's conquered them all. I can lose my peace. I can lose the blessing of God. Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's the blessing God promises for his people, those that will trust him, those that will follow him, those that will separate from that which is wrong and saturate them with the th themselves with the things of God. There's this blessing. But the very next verse says, the ungodly are not so. When I ignore God's word, when I give in to self, when I give in to self-pity, when I give in to all, anything self-related, I am forfeiting, I'm walking away from the blessing of God in my life that he wants to pour out on me. And by the way, the rain of, uh, God says the rain falleth on the just and the unjust. When I'm listening to the DIS statements, devil-inspired statements, uh, every day God's still loading me with benefits, but I'm missing out on all of them because I'm listening to those little lies from the devil. I'm more worried about my frustration at the moment about, wow, did you see what God did? I can lose my testimony. And everything that we go through, our testimony for Jesus Christ is at stake. The day after Trina was operated on for the glioblastoma, we were in intensive care at New Britain Hospital. Her mind had cleared and we were rejoicing. They were afraid she'd lose her speech. She'd lose the use of her right hand, and none of those things happened. In fact, I walked into intensive care uh, in the wee hours of the morning, and a nurse was sitting there, and Trina was chattering up a storm, uh, which is something that they were excited about. But the nurse looked at me, and he said, she likes to talk, doesn't she? And I said, you have no idea. But as he left the room, and we're sitting down, and we had some time in the scripture and time of prayer together. Trina made this statement. She said, we need to be very careful how we handle this. Our children are watching us. Our church family is watching us. And they need to know that God is always good no matter what. What was she saying? She said, we need to keep our testimony right. Because we can get mad because this is not fair and this is unexpected and, and, and I don't like this and this is painful and we can go on with our list, but we've got to be careful. There's a lot of people around us that are watching. Friday, I woke up angry and I'm not, I, God got me through that and I got right with God about that. But 11 o'clock Friday morning, I had training with Sam. He said, even with everything going on in your training, they didn't tell me I couldn't. Sam was aware of everything. He knew about my hospital stays. He was texting back and forth, and I walked in, and Sam was there. Just so happened his fiance was there. It was the three of us, and at, at, at that moment and for that hour, Sam needed to know that I still believe God's good. He didn't need me going on a rampage about this place, that place, this person, that person. He, had, he needed to know that he had a guy in front of him that doesn't have a clue what's supposed to happen, but I'm okay because God does. Amen. That was my prayer and my challenge. But I need to be careful because we can lose our testimony. 
just like that. Can't lose my salvation. Can't lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. Can't lose the truth of Scripture, but those other things, my joy and my peace and the blessing of God and my testimony, they can be lost, but can I add this to it? They can also be found. They can also be reclaimed. I told you I woke up angry. The honest truth is, I had no more answers Friday night than I had Thursday night, but I did not go to bed angry. I went to bed thankful that I had a God who's got it all under control. And I'm hurting, and you're hurting, and many of you more than I am, but we don't have to be miserable, empty Christians. God's provided more than that. Because you see... If we give up on God now, we won't ever find out what's around the corner. Like Nick Vujovic stated, he, had no, he could not see. I have a video, I've seen the video. The dude with no arms and no legs, I have a video of him surfing in Australia. The good thing about that is if he goes, there's no limbs for the sharks to bite off. He made a similar statement. He's safer than we are. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, we so much limit and frustrate the grace of God by our unbelief. But we got a big God who loves us. And there's no reason for us to be running around without our joy and our peace. I, I, that doesn't mean we'll never shed a tear. It doesn't mean that I'm gonna ever stop doing this for a while. When it hurts, it hurts can't change that but God is still good God is still just God still loves me even though I don't understand even though I don't get it could you bow your head for prayer is it possible to get the men's trio back in place I asked a question a moment ago, how many of you, if you died today, you know for sure you go to heaven and so many of us raised our hand and that's a wonderful thing. It's the most important thing you'll ever know. I wonder if there's anybody in this room this morning say, Pastor Bish, in all honesty, I do not know for sure if I'm gonna go to heaven when I die, but I wish I did. Would you pray for me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. I just want to be your friend, won't call out anybody's name or whatever. But if that's you, would you just slip up your hand for a prayer? I'd like to be your friend and pray for you. Pastor, I'm just not sure I'm going to go to heaven someday. Please pray for me. Who's like that? Just slip it up and put it right back down. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? I want to pray for you. Christian, are you listening to the DIS? Have you heard them? You know, when I listen to them, every time I lose my joy, I lose my peace, I lose and miss out the blessing. And if I'm not careful, I'll lose my testimony. Is there anybody else here today that would just say, Pastor Bish, I know what it is to be in a hard place. know what it is to hear that awful voice telling me to quit, to give up. What's the point? And I needed to hear, let not your heart be troubled today. 
I needed to hear that testimony from that fellow from Australia. I needed to know and get refocused on the truth of the Bible and get my eyes off myself, my struggles, my sorrows, my situation. I need to get my joy back. I need to get my peace back. I need to make sure my testimony stays right. Pastor, would you just please pray for me? I need God's help today. With your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, if that's you, would you slip up your hand for prayer? And there are, our hands are up all over. I'm gonna pray. And then we'll stand and we'll have an invitation. Can I encourage you, if you raise your hand to use the altar today, come talk to God about it. Just Tell him what you need. Ask him for his help. And you may be like I was on Friday that I had to ask God to forgive me for being so angry and so frustrated and so empty. And that wasn't God's fault, it was mine. And God in his mercy, he'll refill your cup. If you'll ask him, Father, bless the invitation. Thank you for everything the scripture says about you. Forgive us, Father, for letting everything else take over. And we forget the goodness of God. Lord, if there's anybody here today not saved, I pray that they'd come and let somebody take a Bible and show them how to receive Jesus Christ into their life as Savior. For those of us that raised our hand that are right now going through something, would you help us? Would you help everyone? And restore to us the joy of thy salvation. For others that right now don't understand the storm because they're not in one, when the storm comes, would they please be reminded by the Holy Spirit of God of this truth? And they would just covenant with you that by your grace, they'll keep things right so they don't lose anything that you have for them. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed? Fellows are going to sing a song. If you're here and you're not saved, Brother Tim, I'm going to ask you to just come to the front and slip out of your seat and come see him. Folks, we're already coming to the altar. Don't just stand and listen to the song. Talk to God. Talk to God. Respond to him as the fellows sing this remarkable song of trusting our God. Every heart of faith down through history has heard your call to step beyond what eyes can see into what's uncertain, into what's unclear. God, you know the fear I feel as I'm standing here. I know that you are faithful, I know that I am loved, I know that you are good and wise and worthy of my trust. I believe that there are blessings beyond my comfort zone, and I know enough to know that I can trust you through the unknown.
Yes, the road is dark and the light is dim, but I won't take one step alone. You're with me till the end. I know you're up to something, so I will dare to go. I'll keep my eyes on you and trust what I already know. I know that you are faithful. I know that I am loved. I know that you are good and wise and worthy of my trust. I believe that there are blessings beyond my comfort zone. And I know enough to know that I can trust you through the unknown. You are the God who goes before me. You are the God who writes my story. You take me. From glory to glory, I know that you are faithful, I know that I am loved, I know that you are good and wise and worthy of my trust. I believe that there are blessings beyond my comfort zone, and I know enough to know that I can trust you. Yes, I know enough to know that I can trust you through the unknown, through the unknown. A couple of quick announcements here, if you bear with me. Uh, Sunday school teachers, there are new lessons available in the office counter. Please pick those up. Gentlemen, uh, we have a prayer meeting pastor study at 5.30 p.m. right before the evening service. So encourage you to be there for that. Uh, this week, so in goes back to normal Friday for the teens at 3.45. And adults, we would love to have you come out and join us. Uh, if anything, we could use some extra drivers. We've been hitting the town of Meriden this year. Uh, we covered almost all, about 97% of Wallingford last year. So we're focusing on Meriden this year. And then on Saturdays at 10 o'clock in the morning, we would love to have you join us. This Wednesday at 7 p.m., be here in your place for Bible study and Patch Clubs, which is available for ages 4 through 6th grade, as well as a teen service upstairs with uh, Brother Rob. Um, just uh, this is kind of our future one here on the calendar. Uh, during the week of Thanksgiving, we always we traditionally move our midweek service to Tuesday night, and I know that really messes you up one whole extra day early, uh, but we will have church that Tuesday night. That's always a great service. We get to come in and just Thank God for about an hour. Think about that. When's the last time we just spent a whole church service just thanking God for how good he is? So please make plans to join us. That'll be Tuesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. Um, the teens have a Thanksgiving basket activity. That is this coming Friday. There's a box or two out in the hallway. Uh, we could use your help bringing in uh, any non-perishable, non-expired food items for that. Um, I think the worst one we've ever had was a expired opened box of red lobster cheddar biscuits. Ew, right? 
you wouldn't eat that, so don't bring that in, but we could use your help with that. If you don't want to bring in uh, goods, uh, cash donations would be helpful to help us buy turkeys and any other things that may be missing. Uh, we try to do this every year to help families in need, especially this in this time of life. There's a lot of families that could use a little extra love and attention. If you would help us with that, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. The last day for collection is this coming Wednesday, Thursday. That way we can kind of compile everything, uh, get everything uh, we need. So if you could help us out with that, again, there's a couple boxes out in the hallway. We could use your help with that. And the reason I am making announcements is next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating pastor's birthday. Um, he would have just skipped this if he made announcements. So we are going to be having a, a birthday celebration following the evening service that is actually the day before his 65th birthday. So please bring uh, some kind of a finger food or dessert. Um, he walked out. He's somewhere. He can hear us. He doesn't eat junk anymore. Protein bars, protein shakes. I know it sounds dumb, but he'll eat any of that kind of stuff. If it's healthy and has no flavor, that's his jam right now. Um, <laughs> It used to be like, you know, drawers full of Kit Kats, and now it's like, you know, all the protein in the world. So uh, just, I'd appreciate that if you'd uh, take an extra moment there and kind of love on him. Um, that is next Sunday on the 20th uh, during the eve after the evening service. A couple of birthdays, and Brother Rob's going to lead the song on this because you don't want to hear that. Uh, today is Virginia Junio's birthday. Where are you? Hi. Happy birthday. Uh, Monday's Emily Schrammick's birthday. They're the same age. Very cool. All right. This coming Tuesday is Mr. Gerber's birthday. He is not the same age. He's considerably younger. Uh, Wednesday is Dr. Steve Ward's birthday, so happy birthday. And Friday is Jake Tomporowski's birthday. Is that correct? He had to math that for just a second. Good. Any birthdays that we've missed this week? Any birthdays? You're pointing, but I don't know who we're pointing at. Your birthday. When's your birthday, ma'am? Friday. You're the same age as the young lady up here, aren't you? Yeah, good. All right. I'm glad you joined us here. Uh, any others that we've missed so far? All right, Brother Rob, if you would lead this birthday. I appreciate it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. There are no anniversaries. Apparently, this is a terrible time of year to get married, so you are dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning.